Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Raj Baines, how you doing, mate? I'm not too bad yourself. This is a, an odd one, isn't it? I know, right? This is uh, this is what this is what a global pandemic can do, mate. Bring back the podcast after what three three years, four years? It's not been that long, surely. No, I don't think so. But time time means nothing at the moment, anyway, does it? I, genuinely, I couldn't tell you what day of the week it is. It's it is Friday. I can I know that much purely because. I've yeah, I worked all weekend as well, so I'm sort of at the end of a oh, a long stretch. Yeah, do you know what I mean? And looking forward to just getting a bit pissed tonight. Although I haven't been drinking that much, actually. That's one of the things we've locked down. Yeah, I know. I've, it, it can go either way, right? But I haven't. I'm I've sort of stayed away from the from the devil's water as best I can. Shall I tell you what you? I did? I, th- I I spent the the first month of it kind of. Um as I'm wont to do, kind of drinking and eating my feelings, and I, I kind of treat it as like an extended Christmas period. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like the cheeses were out every night, there was drinking going on, you know, watching telly, just kind of like, oh, we're all at home, like sort of that kind of a thing. And then, you know, when I stepped on the scales at the end of the month and kind of felt awful, I was like, oh, shit, that's what happens when you do this to yourself for a month. So I've been a bit more monk-like and, and stuff this month. I'm still going out for my walks and everything, but, you know, just running and cycling and, and trying to watch what I eat and, and little things like that now because, you know, I've got a wedding to trim down for. I couldn't turn up freestone heavier than I was before the fucking one down yeah. back <laughs> Like an inverse kind of wedding diet. Yeah, uh, it was... Uh, yeah, I was, I was weirdly just bulking for the first month, just, you know, fuck it, let's have a biscuit tonight or let's bake a cake or, or something like that just to try and make your scent feel better and then by the end of it you realize that it wasn't the you know the week you allow yourself at christmas was actually four weeks of april yeah i mean uh, t- to be fair like you know i think that the start of it there was a lot of confusion and everything for everybody wasn't there and it was sort of one of those periods of just like you know what i'm just sort of going to focus on uh try to wrap my head around what's going on in the world versus really giving a shit about diet and stuff like that at this point in time. Um, but in saying that, like I've sort of come out the other side of it in the respect that like now I am actually finding that like doing like my daily sort of routine and everything like that in terms of exercise wise crisis is, are we becoming like one of these protein podcasts or something? Like, yeah, this is the British Joe, Rod- Joe Rogan podcast, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but we've rebranded now. I'm sort of helping, finding that it helps a bit to sort of just 
keep me a bit sane, to be honest, which is sort of oh, hard to do at the best of times. Oh, yeah, I've... Um... I kind of it was like I were a student again that first month because I was sort of watching telly late and I've watched more TV and Netflix in the past like month and a half than I have for two three years probably since we last did the podcast properly. Yeah, it's mad, um, isn't it? Yeah, and I've caught up on so many things that I'd I'd not seen. I've not seen the latest season of Stranger Things, which I really enjoyed, and I'm glad I've caught up on. Um, I finally finished Suits, which is one of the greatest pieces of fluff television ever invented. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's there's all sorts of stuff that I've sort of just life had got in the way of, and now it's it's almost as if Jack, to be slightly personal for a second, as you know, um, it's almost as if like I've, this lockdown has put me back in the same position I was in before <laughs> we, you know, the last time we did the podcast um, regularly that period in my life it feels as if i've been dragged back to that position which is probably why we record now because i've got fuck all better to do uh, on a friday it's like afternoon a, it's like a sort of augmented reality facebook on this day sort of thing yeah yeah really is only now when i've sort of played fifa until four in the morning and then woke up at two in the afternoon <laughs> i've got a fiance on the phone going why the fuck haven't you texted me yet and what have you been up to all night i'm kind of like oh yeah i've forgotten about you momentarily i have moved on in my life <laughs> i don't yeah i don't think we've actually potted since uh since that pretty major life announcements happened mate um is this is a perfect forum to talk about one's loved we, ones and personal life have you got married and i've got engaged since the last time we did a podcast yeah yeah Exactly that. I think that's probably just about, if anyone's ever needs a, a question as to why we don't do it as often anymore, I think the <laughs> fact that we're now, you know, fully functioning grown men to to an extent, I don't want to run before we can walk. Yeah, I mean, yeah, let's not push it too far. But... We're very much being carried by the women in our lives, but um, yeah, the, the fact that we've actually got other commitments and responsibilities and things to be getting on with is probably explanation enough. Yeah, I mean... Fuck them. They, they still come back, don't they? The pigs for our content. We we deal them out this swill and they come back. I thought you were on about our missus then. Not, not <laughs> I thought you were going to say they've turned the weans against us. Yeah. Anyone know a good divorce lawyer at all? Um, yeah, Jesus. But uh, yeah, so we are, we are, we're back in the fold. Um, I think Momentarily. We, yeah, a little, little, little taste after doing the Amsterdam pod the other day i was i was actually do you know what? i was so absolutely chuffed and it was so bizarre like like i was sort of trying to convey as i was recording my bizarre rambling little monologues between each section um, you know what that reminded me of have you ever seen like a crooner um and then they do like have you ever listened to one on like a it, dean martin cd yeah yeah you know well, before well, he gets well, into well, it well, he's, yeah, he's me down at the winner of 58 <laughs> i was yeah, he's, in a nice little chalet and there was a it was a pretty little thing who was looking at me from across the bar. Yeah. And then they she do that really cheesy thing like where this. they mention the song name in their story. Yeah, and then you just hear the double bass, boom, 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 boom. So and I thought to and myself, they... that's Amori. Take it away, boys. <laughs> 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 I don't think I pulled it off with quite that much grace. Uh, there's a lot more flatulence on my part as well. As it goes we've 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 always been the the rat pack of the Tottenham podcasting fraternity. Yeah, definitely, mate. Definitely, that's that's that's, that's one way we can put it, isn't it? I like that. Mate. Um, I was when I was uploading 
that podcast actually in particular going through some of the old titles as well fucking chair the, the first time you uploaded just, it or the second time when i interrupted you yeah well yeah but uh, i mean that's what i'm saying yeah at the top of this i was i was absolutely chuffed that you actually did because I, I genuinely meant that sincerely i was like I'm, I'm glad i'm getting this out but you know it'd be nice to have that little rad shaped cherry on top and uh that sounds a bit dodgy doesn't it but yeah, we'll go with it we'll run with it um, and you got it there, and I, li- I liked how you messaged me immediately afterwards, being like, "I hope that wasn't too miserable." It was like, "No, no, no, perfect, like spot on," you know. But uh, did you actually find it cathartic doing doing that in any way? I did, yeah, because we've we've not spoken about it. You, you did mention that we've recorded and failed two podcasts in the meantime, and this might be a hat trick. We're, we're not yet sure because we've not finished recording it. <laughs> so I did the um, fucking voice notes. I was like, this is going to be the easiest way to do it. Like we're um, yeah, we'd um, well, it's just been painful. It's really has. I've I've never felt like this kind of disconnect from Spurs before. Even during the Tim Sherwood period, I wasn't disconnected from the club. I actively hated us. Like, and, and I don't even have active hate anymore. I just they're just kind of there. And obviously, Do I still you... care. And obviously, I still look out and watch as many games as I possibly can. But, you know, it's one of those things. Like, yeah. I used to shape my life around Spurs. If there was a game on an evening and it didn't look like I could watch it, I would move heaven and earth to be able to watch it in some way. Like, people would feel put out by me because I was putting Spurs ahead of them. And I just don't do that anymore because I just don't have the heart to. And if I miss a game, you know, I've still got Sky and BT and all that yeah. sort of shit, but... If I miss a game, I, I don't. I don't care. I get the alerts through if we scored, which we more often than not don't. <laughs> and um, you know, I, I kind of almost you know when a shit result comes through this this season, there's almost a sense of relief that I haven't dedicated my time to being disappointed and heartbroken by him. See, I've been thinking about this as well because I, you know, I feel pretty much exactly the same and have done this season. And do you think it's at an intersection though of like? Because there is that part of me that thinks, oh, yeah, what fucking shit fan. You're just kind of feeling that way because Spurs haven't been that good this year. But when I've looked into it further, I'm like, no, not really. Because most of my life, Spurs have been absolutely shite. And I haven't really cared, to be honest. I've just enjoyed watching Spurs. But I wonder, like, I am starting to wonder if it's like... Because obviously there's there's one of the main pieces is life and just getting to a stage in life and sort of growing up to a degree where perhaps things like football are less raw emotionally. It's still there, don't get me wrong, but it's not quite the same as when you were growing up and it meant, like, everything. But at Mm. at this point, like, it is undeniable that, you know, there's a lot of heartbreak involved with not only that Champions League result, but Pochettino going afterwards. But is it just that, like, and this, this is kind of where I keep landing at the moment, is football just a bit shit now? Has it just kind of, has it had its Rubicon moment where we sort of look at it as a as a sport, as an industry, and I just sort of see it as so oversaturated with just like greed and self interest and just kind of I know we sort of said we didn't want to go into it too much, but like one of the overriding things I felt during the whole lockdown thing is like football's inability 
as a kind of institution. And I don't really mean this towards the players. I mean it more towards like the governing bodies and the, the suits, essentially, the machine behind the sport. How it's had this sort of like, sort of actually quite repulsive, like squealing level of entitlement, as in like, pay attention to us. You know, it's so used to being in the limelight and it's so used to everything revolving around it that it suddenly hasn't been able to 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 take it at all, to be able to stand it. That like, yeah, you're going to miss out on money, but who the fuck else isn't? Like, what, what every single industry, every single person, pretty much, nearly every single individual is missing out on money. Like, what, why the fuck do you think you're so special at the moment? And everything around it, like Troy Deeney's come out today to to speak about it on the day of recording anyway. Um, just saying like, you know, if, if it's not safe for fans to go into a stadium, why is it safe for me to go into a stadium and put my family at risk? And, yeah. I, you know, it's the whole thing's just quite off. And, I, and COVID is obviously, it's it's kind of, it's it's the sort of the, the ugly face of, football at the moment in many respects. I mean, there's lots of good stories coming out of it, blah, blah, blah. But let's focus on the negative for a second. <laughs> um, and, but even before that point, like we, you know, sort of like when we've chatted anecdotally, like between each other on, on WhatsApp and stuff like that, when, it, when you're just like super leagues and, you know, the financial doping all over the shop and kind of like, how Spurs are now just this like branded entity that just seems even as a club so removed from what I knew. And you, you're kind of trying to find that balance between how much you can criticize the powers that be that run the club and how much you kind of feel, well, they're just playing along with the rules of the game now. Like this is kind of what the sport is that if you want to sink or swim, it's kind of, I don't know. I, I, I'd be. I'm not really old enough to remember it. I'd be interested to know kind of how people who are old enough to remember the uh, the the inception of the Premier League felt as as that came in because that's probably the last seismic shift in kind of football in the country. And you yeah. know, it, it would be which was something again. Spurs were a major spearhead in bringing along because yeah, our, we were, weren't we? Our sort of involvement in modern day football isn't the greatest. Um, Shall I let you behind the curtain of how different the podcast recording is now for me than it was before? You know, before I used to like, um, I was a young, bright man that used to be able to like play FIFA and kind of half listen to you and then, you know, just spew out <laughs> some, something in response to you afterwards or I'd be, you know, texting or whatever in the background yeah I've, I've actually now because you were talking I've, I've started making notes of what you've said and what i need to reply to because i, I <laughs> have know you got your reading glasses on as well i, I fucking have mate I've, yeah it's um it's a bit mad this anyway going back to my notes to, to try and um build on what you've said uh if i take up the, the the covid stuff first i think the the, the bit for me that we're kind of going up sort of beyond the pale were you know when they were talking about we'll buy all the private tests so the players can get tested twice or, or yeah, three yeah. times a week before a game after a game all this time and you've got frontline service staff that that can't get it themselves and um you know they're so scarce and, and expensive and, and all that sort of stuff that, that they're putting the importance of a of a folly essentially and i understand the money behind it and the business behind it isn't a joke because it's so big and so many clubs rely on it and you know the only 
slightly persuasive argument that they do have in their arsenal is that so many clubs within the football pyramid and amateur rely on the money to trickle down from the Premier League. But even then, it, it, it kind of felt like it was a tertiary positive for them. It was almost their own pockets they expected to line first and then whatever trickled down from them was kind of a bonus that they could use as a as a positive and, and that felt really off to me. It's almost as if, if you've got that much spare cash to, to be buying up this amount of bulk tests for people, fucking donate them to frontline service yeah. stuff that actually it's needs just, to it's know. It's farcical, isn't it? Them at home. Yeah, it's, it, it, that, that kind of self-importance was, um, was really galling and, and something that football's own sort of, um, I don't know, um, just sort of ability to look at their own self-image and, and sort of see the way they're coming across is, is so sort of blind and, and sort of ignorant to themselves. And, and I think because they've got so many people blowing smoke up their arse and, and they are full of such self-importance and are in many ways too big to fail, um, it's not something you can really rally against. But the other thing you were saying in terms of sort of how we feel in, in in comparison to that, especially during this period. I, I told you before, I've not missed Spurs once during this period. You know, you see tweets every day of people going, oh, I wish the football were on, or looking forward to German League coming back, or people watching Belarusian football and trying to bet on that. Like, it's not... It hasn't been a concern for me once. I've not... I don't feel like I've missed Spurs. The only time I've, I've actively thought about Tottenham during this period is when we weren't paying our staff enough money. And I yeah, felt yeah, the need yeah. to tweet and say... It was embarrassing though, wasn't it? Can you, yeah, it, it really was. I was like, look, you... you you shot yourselves in a foot in a sporting sense enough this year. Can you not do it in a business one? Can you not make yourselves repugnant people, please? Can you you have the money? We have the profits to pay these people what they're worth and what they deserve. Can you actually just do the human decent thing for once? Um the whole sort of missing it is it's twofold for me. It's almost the thing I've I've come up with now on the fly is you know how older people with kids talk about Christmas. And I think that's kind of how yeah. I look at, at Spurs now. It was growing up and while you still had, we still believed in Santa and, and sort of, I hope nobody's listening around the kids now because I really don't want to be the one to ruin that for them because that's, that's a shit. <laughs> but you know, when you, you have that belief and you have that sort of innocence around it, I think we've almost crossed over now to the point where we don't have that anymore and it's kind of it's almost lost its special I don't know draw over I, I think that's yeah I think that's kind of what the Champions League run touched on quite a lot you know well, in, I was about to say we, like we most... don't have the investment because if you look at the the people that that do currently have that it's the Liverpool fans and the Leeds fans and even yeah, the City yeah, fans yeah. the people who who have something to either hate or or actively want back then you know it's different i mean it is an entirely biased and sort of club specific thing because it's such a tribal sport and everything if we were in if this is if this were last season and this happened before after the ajax game or something like that and we were in the build-up to champions league final and people were saying scrap the season and we were like we're never going to get to play in our own champions league final we would obviously be doing, oh, fucking, yeah, use your tests, do whatever you want. Like, if Harry Kane needs a test at yeah. half-time, fuck the nurses, give him one. But it's <laughs> sort of, 
it's different, isn't it? And, you know, it's the whole thing you touched on about us being a brand rather than a club, I think that's spot on. I mean, we're, we do less in terms of fan engagement now, and I know that's kind of lip service at its best anyway, but there's less of that togetherness. And we are just a... We're a vehicle for a, an Amazon documentary. We're, you know, we're more Joe Exotic than we are a fucking club, if you know what I mean. It, it's sort of... It's bizarre. No, I know what you mean. In in the interest of balance, the only thing I, I would say is whether it's PR or not, there is a massive net good to the uh, to what the club's been doing with the, the sort of, uh, the, is it neonatal kind of uh, clinic? Oh, yeah, yeah the fact that we've turned stadium it into a stadium at the moment. yeah, yeah. Yeah, which, uh, I don't know, um, I heard on a podcast or read somewhere, I can't even remember now, like, you know, how you, do, you, do you find this as well? You just get information from so many different sources nowadays. I'm always like, where the fuck did I hear or see or read that? Yeah. Or have I just made it up? Yeah. I don't really know what is true anymore. I, I, is <laughs> that's it believable? Probably, yeah, that's a deeper point. Yeah, exactly. Like, But somebody raised a very good point that, now, as a result of this, it, it, we could in 20, 30 years' time potentially have the first player who was born literally <laughs> at a stadium playing in that stadium, potentially. Yeah, that is a nice thought. I mean, I mean, while we're giving the club a shoe-in, the one thing that they have to be to be fair to them, and I think they didn't really have a choice in the matter, I think it was kind of a part of the deal, whichever the way they wanted to cut it, um, was that they are brilliant for the community in whatever way they can be. I mean, there's arguments against that with how many businesses and things they put out of, of, you know, whack and stuff while they're building a new stadium and and all the housing and stuff. But they they do appear to do as much as they can do for the community in a sort of a charitable and and sort of, you know, uh, just purely sort of, voluntary sense and and, in a way that they maybe wouldn't have to or or or, you know could get away with not doing um but that's one that's sort of a a tertiary point no yeah but i i i know what you mean it's like you know i think as much as there is this temptation to kind of go down these rabbit holes of you know sort of because i think we're both of that sort of like you know if anyone listening wasn't aware thus far we're both sort of of that like pinko lefty sort of persuasion i've got bmp yeah (laughs) there is that temptation to sort of run with that whole like you know everything that represents some form of capitalism is completely and utterly reprehensible which you know it it generally is for the most part i say as i record this on my uh apple man (laughs) Um, As we both but, do. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I sort of, I think one of my more, I don't even know what it is, just sort of a position I've managed to settle on to, I guess, find some semblance of peace in my head as I get older is that there can still be net good out the back of this stuff. And whether it is, a, 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 you know, and my younger self is screaming at me being like, it's a cynical PR ploy. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm still thinking that as we're doing it. it yeah. is, but, yeah, but, you it's know. It's sports like washing on a, on a, a smaller scale. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, whatever. I'm 
I know I'm not going to change the world. Well, if you think that way, you won't, but oh, fuck yeah. off. Like, I'm arguing myself now already, but... Oh, man, yeah. we've talked about that, that internal stuff, battle that we go through every day between fucking picking up a oh, wage mate, and I know. wanting to break the system. It's, it's, it comes to that point where you kind of give up and and the, uh, the it's, idealism it's, gets beaten out of you. Yeah. It's the last uh, paragraph of 1984, isn't oh, yeah. it? When he when he realizes the bullet the bullets in his brain, and he takes that shot of gin and realizes that ultimately he just loves Big Brother. He submits to the machine. Yep. And uh, that's it. A gin a gin soaked tear trickles down his cheek. I really hope um, anyone who's like sort of struggling with like their mental health during the lockdown and stuff hasn't turned to this podcast for a fucking pick me up or something. Yeah. We're, the real, we're, we're the wrong people to to deliver that. We've yeah, we we embrace our misery, and I think that's why we're happier people for it. Probably, yeah. I think uh, there the, was John Ronson went on a he went on Louis Theroux's podcast the other day actually, and was talking about how there's been some tentative studies into people who uh, who actually are anxious or suffer from anxiety disorders in in peacetime, if you like. Um, they actually are starting to speculate or believe that they cope better in crisis because it's almost like they're prepared for it. I, I, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm waffling off sort of secondhand facts here. So you What's know, no man? take from that what you want. Yeah. Um, sort of around this subject though. Um, this is a football podcast. Let's remember. So, well, that's never been I mean, our thing. In though, terms of it? like, nah. <laughs> I mean, why bother? Why why yeah, change, why change now? the habit? This of a is lifetime, still yeah. it's it's still a motive though, mm. and it's it's still about misery, and it's still about kind of a duality to to everything, a kind of uh, you know a, a sort of uh, a, a double looking at something like Pochettino, yeah. Um, and as much as I'm pretty sure, you know, I think we all knew that he wanted out by the end of it. Yeah. So, you know, because this is always the argument, right? If you if you talk about Pochettino, how much you miss him and how silly it was that we sacked him. I mean, like, it still seems so bizarre to me that Tottenham Hotspur sacked Maurizio Pochettino. Like, it, 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 it just seems insane. But, like, when you when you look at it through, like, a lens with no nuance like that, it is going to, but it is important to remember that by the end, he he very clearly wanted out. Like that, there was a very toxic situation at the club um, that wasn't getting any better. I mean, I think for me, the sort of the the Nadir was was Brighton. You know that yeah. Brighton game. It it actually genuinely looked like the players were like, "Now nah, this is it. Now it's done." And he looked done. And it, the whole thing, just the wheels were it off was completely. A, it was essentially a dirty protest on a grand scale. Yeah, I mean, it, when even like Harry Kane was looking like he didn't give a shit anymore, that's when he started to sort of worry a bit, you know. Um, it was our own but, version of marriage story, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was. And it when, I don't know, the the thing that that, that got me, though, was seeing... Seeing him do that interview with BT Sports, I mean, yeah, you know, there is all the, you know, it, it is a lot of it is wrapped up in the 
in the joy of Amsterdam and everything like that, because, you know, I think the interview came out of the back of that. But you can genuinely see that the man really did have a very strong connection to the club, to the fans, and still does. You know, they were they were interviewing him, and halfway through the interview, he, he kept losing sight of it. He kept forgetting. He kept talking about my players, my club, this type of thing, mm. and then almost catching himself and being like... Tottenham, Tottenham's players, that that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, is that? Do you reckon that? I mean, not do you reckon? I mean, we both know that losing somebody like him, that you could kind of rally behind, get behind a, a project or whatever you want to call it. Losing that and sort of the thought of, I mean, Mourinho. I I, I don't really want to lose too much sleep over it. I, you know, a lot of people have kicked off about it and if I'm you know if I'm being brutally honest I I don't like the bloke I've never particularly liked him but I understand it I I understand from the mentality of of somebody like Daniel Levy why you'd bring somebody like Mourinho in you know we are a huge global brand this isn't to say I endorse it or like it but we're a huge global brand we've just lost the Champions League final um it looks like at the moment, we're on course to finish mid-table or whatever, and we've got a load of very good players still who are playing miles beneath themselves. Yes, um, we don't really have the money at the moment out of the back of a stadium build to refinance an entire purchasing of a new first team. And post-COVID, we so won't why either. not? Yeah, so give, get, getting in a manager like Mourinho who. Is box office, whatever you want to say about him, has the potential there to galvanise the sort of dying embers of the Pochettino project and maybe just maybe just deliver an FA Cup, a Europa League, something like that mm-hmm. out the back of it. I totally understand it. Um, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, I think people are getting very sort of wound up about it, but I, I also. Completely speaking from the outside, I, I can't imagine the appetite was there amongst even players like Kane to to take on a Nagelsmann or someone like that at that point after they've just had Pochettino to take on a new project manager, a new sort of you know lease of life, a new kind of roadmap of five years. They 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 it's just not gonna it's not gonna take at the moment in my opinion. So I can see why. You bring in Mourinho, two, three years, whatever. Players like Kane, Alderweireld think, well, fuck it, yeah, you know, I can get myself up for two, three years of making a fist at winning something at Spurs again. And then we try, and if it doesn't work, it's that's kind of, you know, it's, it's it feels like a bit of a free hit in a way, and a very expensive free hit. But, you know, I, 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 I see the next sort of man, yeah, maybe... Wagner, he's sort of pulling up trees again at Schalke now. Yeah. Yeah, maybe somebody like him comes in after Mourinho. Although we, and that's we won't want to be kind of cycle. seen as a Poundland Klopp project, would we? I'm not sure. Uh, but he, he he is fantastic, David, and he's you know I'd I'd love him at Spurs, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, speaking about that that change from from Poch to to Mourinho, I think. <laughs> The way that the Pochettino thing ended, is, it, I think, is the reason for why we feel the way we feel. I think, had we lost the Champions yeah. League final and, and there was a sense of continuity or there was a sense that we could 
we could go again, then maybe I think we would we would be back, and I think we would have that same level of enthusiasm and investment. But I think I think our attitude kind of reflects where where that ending left us. Um, mm. I remember the the night he got sacked. You kind of you knew it was coming, but it still felt shit, and I was just really quiet and. Um, it, it was it was like something because at the end of the day it is football and somebody just managers come and go all the time. But it was like something more serious had happened. I don't want to draw a parallel to something more serious happening, especially like at this period of time in the world. But that's kind of yeah. I think people will give you a bit of leeway that, though. We that's know kind of how you behaved at the time, wasn't it? It was like you'd lost something. Yeah, a bit bigger than it was. But and there was a real sense of injustice. It, it felt as if we'd done done wrong by him um and i think in many ways we had but yeah. it sort of it, it almost felt as if and it felt this way throughout his entire tenure to be honest that it, he was just so good at what he was doing and we were just we were always a season or two ahead on the field of where we were off it and like you say the money from the stadium hadn't come through we'd been pumping all that in he'd taken us into the new ground but that had taken so much resource that you know, we didn't have what we might have later on to to reinvest into the football inside of the operation, and and it kind of he was a victim of his own success, definitely. We'd, there's no no chance anybody else would have ever taken us to a Champions League final, especially under those circumstances, no. in, no, in no, such no. a short amount of time. Um, and it, just trying to keep to that level is what cost us, you know, especially his way of playing the the emotional and physical investment that he got out of all of his players, you know, I think three seasons under Pochettino. It's broken, mate. You could, you could see how visceral it was after that Amsterdam game. Yeah. You know? I think three seasons under Pochettino is probably five seasons under somebody else. And I think not even just physically, I think physically they're, they're such prime athletes that, you know, a summer off, they can be ready to play again. But mentally being able to to pick themselves up and want to do it and, and have the have the drive to do it again. You know, we've been talking a lot about the last dance and stuff, the the bulls and, and everything like that. And yeah. The fact that even somebody like Michael Jordan, after winning three straight championships twice, just went, look, I'm mentally I'm exhausted. And you know, there's yeah. ended, but there's been about eight hours worth of stories of how competitive and how driven that man was to win. And even when he got to that level of winning, it was like, nah, I really need a fucking break now. I want to go play golf and bet and, you know, smoke cigars. We got to that point. We didn't cross the line of actually winning, but we got to such a, a high point and we built ourselves up emotionally to such a point as both a, a squad a coaching staff and a fan base that it was the end of the road. No matter win or loss, I think that was the end of the road. I, had we even won the Champions League final, mm. I think he would have probably walked away because even he even, yeah, he even yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sort of alluded that. to that, didn't he? Because I think he would have yeah. he would have taken the Jordan route. He would have gone to go play baseball or something. But he he yeah. he. I th- but he stayed because I think he fe- felt a sense of duty and I think he, he might have hoped more than believed that he was going to get what he needed to, to completely overhaul the squad because we'd we drained it of all life by that point. There was, there was so many players that 
that needed to a fresh start or just had come to the end of their story with Spurs. And I kind of we look at them as as resource as fans or as I don't know. We 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 kind of dehumanise footballers in in a way that as I get yeah, older, yeah. that I'm, I'm kind of trying to rally against now. Especially I'm I'm trying to think of like you know Christian Eriksen and stuff. We we think of him more as a an icon on football manager or somebody we we play with on FIFA just as a a plaything and an asset rather than you know a man with his own wife and kids and wants and hopes and feelings and aspirations and we forget that he'd invested all that time and he'd been on the same journey that we have and if we're feeling this way. You know, if it was a if it was an acceptable thing to change your football club as a supporter, I think after that Champions League final, most of us probably would have gone. Oh, you know what? I kind of I like the look of Wolves. They seem like a fun story. Maybe I'll follow that for a bit now because you know I've, I kind of yeah, had a bit yeah. enough with Spurs at the minute. They're a bit jollier with Spurs, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, and you know, you, 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 we get that way with jobs. Like even if you enjoy somewhere after four or five years in the same position or whatever, you feel like a change and, and you feel like doing something else. Me, when I freelanced, I did it for near enough 10 years and I adored it and it was my dream job. But I got to a point we talked about where I just kind of felt like, I've done this now, I want to try something else. I mean, my livelihood was writing about sport and TV and, and whatever all day, but I wanted to tie myself at something else. And I think a lot of those players had got to the same point um, and not just with Pochettino, but I think it's just as humans and, you know, Ericsson wanted to move to a yeah. different country and he's at the age where he, he still had enough to, to do something else. I think, you know, Vertonghen's probably in a similar enough position and, you know, I think we did Trippier a bit dirty because he had such a shit season and was, was playing on injury, but I, I think we maximised the amount of money we could get out of him as an asset. But again, we we kind of... There's, there's just so many intangible things on top of it that just all came to a head at once. And we, we didn't do it gradually. We had those two straight years where, nah. we, where we didn't sign anyone and we didn't do anything. There was no overhaul. And we we laugh at clubs like Chelsea and what have you who stockpile talent and you know don't really have many emotional connections with players. Maybe they do, actually. I'm not a Chelsea fan. I don't know what the fuck they think about their players, to be honest. But, you know, from the outside looking in, they they just appear to have turnover for turnover's sake. But there's a balance to be struck between the two that, you know, annoyingly enough, Liverpool seem to have hit. That within a certain window, you've got to try and... um, You've got to try and... um, um, Sorry, I just had somebody come in the room. Wait a second. You've got to try and finish the project within a timescale that it's sort of... um, That it's got a a sell-by date on it. There's there's got to be a... There's got to be an ending point and a a finish line there. It's not something that can go on forever. No, it's funny because when you touch on there with the, the bull stuff... You know, I my sort of knee jerk reaction of watching. You know, I'm you know I've never really been a basketball fan. Um, obviously, everyone knows who Michael Jordan is, um, and I just like sports documentaries. I like sporting stories, and I know ESPN always produce very good, you know, very good films. Um, and so I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll 
give this a watch because it's sort of you know it seems to be one of Netflix's current flagship things and it's it's going to be decent and lo and behold it it actually is and I had this sort of uh it's funny to me that Pochettino is watching it as well it's not funny I mean it's 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 completely on point that he would be and watching the first few episodes you know I couldn't help but like it's not really like a bitterness it's and it's not even like a bittersweet feeling it's like it's a sort of delusion in a way of just this I don't know this just this big sort of mesh of emotions that like we're talking about right now that I feel about with Spurs is like watching this kind of like this sporting story of a franchise of a team that was sort of seen as whatever perennial bottlers go on and have all these pieces having like an almost like psychopathic figurehead in somebody like Jordan, at least in a sporting sense. Um, with like this kind of, you know, new age, fairly middle of the road as a player, but sort of new age coach with new age ideas, be it both on the court and also off it, you know, with his sort of like hippie mantras about energy and karma and all this type of thing, mm -hmm. building this this team that was so like uniquely put together all these sort of different functioning pieces. I, I just, I couldn't help but separate myself from like that and 15, 16 Spurs, 16, 17 Spurs. And then just thinking like, we're going to be looking back in like a decade's time. And I can't see the sort of the feeling that I have now of like, fuck, we fucked. Like we, we fucked it. You know, just that bit of just like, that should have like, it, it it really should have been us that we look back in, in like 10 years' time just seeing like after 1617, were it not for Wembley or for all these other things, that that was the year that Spurs went on to actually win their first league title or something, or this Champions League. Just something there that was just a kind of... Uh, uh, that point, that summit that the Pochettino project got to. And I, I know the whole MO of the club is the echo of glory. And I mean, we've got that in, in abundance from the Pochettino era completely, but I just think that, that, that feeling, and I think that's what's so hard. It's like, it's, it's kind of like it's, it's falling down a mountain and trying to grip onto the rope, right. And feeling it going through your fingers. It's just like now, as we're seeing it, we're seeing Kane's injuries mounting up and him starting to, as as to coin an old Raj Baines phrase, make kissy faces to the big clubs out there now, trying to get out there. All the wire eld for Tongan, we're sort of seeing their stars fading now. Obviously, Rose and Walker have gone. No more Dembele, no more Wanyama. <coughs> the, okay, there's green shoots here and there, but we're looking at kind of at least another five if not ten years before we're back in the fold oh again. yeah this this and spot at the highest level is, is so cyclical and i think there is there's a lot yeah, we can learn you know? from american sports in that sense because i think because of the franchise nature and the drafting nature of that they're a lot more accepting that when you have a high you're the the, the immediate aftermath of, of of a high is fucking crushing defeat and lows um, because that's just the way it goes, and, and that's kind of the, the natural pattern of it. Um, the, the only other parallel I've just thought of while you were talking there is um, 
is Jerry Krause and Daniel Levy are very similar as well because they're these non-playing, non-sporting executives who have essentially orchestrated something brilliant and deserve credit for that. I hated because they they put the organisation ahead of, of sport and, and they kind of... Well, in, in, in some ways, it's that final, that final little throw of it where they just... And I know it's that sort of proper football manism, but they just don't get it. Yeah. You know, that just, and you can just see it, it's revealed. And it's, where it's almost like there's too that, much pride yeah. to kind of accept that. Yeah. It's almost as if they do get it, but they don't want to accept it. I think that's the way I would phrase it. Because in order to accept it, I think they would have to swallow their pride 25% more than they are willing to. Because in accepting it, they would essentially be downplaying their role in it slightly. And I think there's almost their own sort of... Yeah. Their own stubbornness kind of leads them to think, I've done it once and I've kind of... I've helped my part in this in some way and I'm not getting the credit for my part that I I, some way um, sort of deserve... And, you know, almost the way that Krauss got rid of Phil Jackson in the same way that Levy felt he needed to get rid of Pochettino. Yeah. I don't think there's the blood, bad blood between those two that there is between, you know, Krauss and, um, and and Jackson. But there is almost that 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 want for them to, to be the ones that are seen to, you know, be the, the secret figurehead behind the success in a way that the they are and they aren't. It's kind of, it's really hard to quantify how much they... They put into that just because they're not. Then they're there on the spot. They're not the ones playing. They, they do have a big role, but you know he's not putting a. He's not stopping goals and he's not scoring them. But in a similar way, I think um, on the Mourinho thing, I think you touched on really well as well. But it was a. That was a status signing. I think. It, yeah, I think so. you're right that you know the lads weren't ready to jump in straight away with a brand new project i think we needed a palate cleanser and there's probably no greater palate cleanser in football if you can yeah. if you can hire yeah. a palate cleanser and possibly pick up a, a, a cup or two in the process and reinstill a winning mentality and at the same time be seen to be associated with somebody who is only associated with success and the very biggest teams in world football, then I think that just underlines where the club want to be seen with the stadium, with the players we've got, with the valuation of the club we now have, and especially with the manager. We we are kind of where we're walking the walk now without talking the talk to fucking. So we really are dads now, aren't we? But um. Yeah. It was a, it was a stunt. It was a not not a PR stunt, but it was more of a sort of a status stunt. Just kind of like, okay, we've lost Pochettino. You thought that's the best we could do, and we would have to go and now hire Eddie Howe or something like that because that's what Spurs traditionally would do. But <laughs> yeah, no, we've we've gone and got the you know Guardiola aside, the biggest player left in the game to come and manage us. If if you ask anybody in world football who the biggest and most successful managers in modern day football are. Those two are the two that are going to come to, to mind before anyone else. Obviously Ferguson first, but he's retired. So it's, you know, I think that's it. And I think we, we kind of, I think when we talked about this privately at the time, I think there's, there's some belief that we've got 
we've got Mourinho at a good time because it's post Manchester United and he's almost got that all out of his system. I think a lot yeah. of his his mystique and his aura to a certain extent has been taken away from him. And I think that that charisma and and you know his his sort of more um more clandestine approach has kind of been robbed of him and there was a lot of talk of how he's gone away and you know the coaching staff he's got have got have reinvigorated him and he's he's adapted his approach some way um this is obviously his agent doing as much spin as possible he's adapted his approach to try and be a more modern thinking manager but he at the end of the day he needs to prove himself and so do the club so i think the the motivations of both parties kind of fit and it is a it's a relationship of convenience more than sort of anything else but i think it's kind of the the best fit for the time hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of stuff at the moment, like, you know, it, it's a it's a battle that will rage on and we'll only see kind of who was right, really, in a, in a few years' time potentially anyway um but this whole kind of I, I i i kind of get the idea that he's yesterday's man to a degree but i i do think there is at the moment there's a real there's a real propensity to overstate that and i i mean this mostly in the like footballing press for the most part there is a there is a kind of and i, I don't buy for a second this whole oh it's stockholm syndrome he's got you now no, I, I I can exercise independent thought. Like Mourinho isn't that much of a, a fucking genius that he can convince me that you know I I think he's actually good, even though I've disliked him for most of his career. I just don't, with my own eyes, what I've seen him do under the circumstances hasn't been as bad as people have made out at all. I think people have been very very eager to jump on. Anything like that? The Liverpool game at home. It's a pantomime villain, isn't it? I mean, but Liverpool were like, you know, for want of a better word, they were absolutely bombastic at the time. Like they were smashing people to pieces, left, right, and centre. And like we were genuinely going into that game thinking, "Fuck me!" Like not only have they beaten us in the Champions League final, they're going to come to our to our ground now and beat us like five six nil in front of the country and really rub it in. And we'll be hearing all the Champions of Europe. You'll never sing that echoing around White Hart Lane. But actually, we gave them a fucking good game under the circumstances mm-hmm. and nearly drew with them. If it wasn't for like, you know, a, a rusty 
Lichelso. Sounds like some sort of uh, sounds like when you haven't wiped your bum properly, doesn't it? But uh, if it wasn't for a rusty Lichelso, you would have tucked that in at the back post, and it would have been one all, and it'd been all right. But because it wasn't, it was seen as this. Why didn't Mourinho take it to Liverpool? What, like, why should he? Why? Why should uh, a team that kind of has that was as low on resource as we were at that time take it to? really the best team in Europe at that point. They probably well, they probably are still the best team in Europe, mm. you know? Um and yeah, you know, I just I'm just I'm not gonna accept this whole kind of idea that this is Project Doom, that this is all gonna go down the shit hole like because really it it probably won't. I ca- I can quite easily see Spurs winning an FA Cup or something like that next season. Maybe the Europa League if we get into it. Um, I'm not quite as fanciful about as making a fist of the league. I've seen a few people say, "Oh, if we don't have Europe and we've only got the league to concentrate on," I just, I, I honestly, I think we're miles off that conversation at the moment. To be honest, like, yeah. our, our, we're, we're, to me, we're back in that place of like focus on the cups and getting into the top four again. Yeah. It's kind of building up to that point again. But You've kind of got to have that you know, as your basis before you you think of anything else. Yeah. You know, and I, I just... I Do I think we've fallen as far as Arsenal did? No, but at the same time, we didn't hit the heights that Arsenal did either. So, you know, we can't... We can only lord it over them so much, mm. as much as I, you know, will do where I can. Um... But yeah, I I don't know. I I I don't I don't see it as and this is why I kind of, you know, when we were talking about at the start, the reasons why we feel a bit less connected to Spurs. I genuinely don't see this as some kind of spoil entitled fan thing of like, well, we're not playing well and we sack the manager I really like, so I'm not going to support us until we're doing well again. I just think there's there's just so many spinning plates at the moment that it's kind of it's hard to keep them all going. Yeah. Um, I think even the if, momentum will be back. Even in, if we had you know, sort we'll, of miraculously improved and, and started playing brilliantly after Poch had gone, I don't think we would all suddenly be back at that same level of enthusiasm. I think it was just sort of... No, because I'd be annoyed with the players. <laughs> I'd be thinking, well, why couldn't you have done this with him? Yeah. You know? It's, uh, it is kind of... It's a, it is a really odd position to be in. And I think it is just a natural progression of emotions. I think you need a period of mourning before you can sort of you know, that five-step process or whatever it is, you, you kind of need a rebound and stuff before you can kind of go again with somebody you can believe in and, and psych yourself up for that disappointment again because I think that's it. You're kind of protecting yourself, really, especially with a club like I have yeah. from, from just giving so much to them. There was just so much so much invested in that in that run and that season. And not just that season, I think it was the build-up to it as well. Every, everything was so... So fairy tale in a sense. It was the fact that it was Tim- it was lemons, wasn't it? It was universal energy. It was all of that stuff. After Sherwood, he rebuilt us with our own players, our own academy. You know, the the players that came through were the ones that were supposed to come through, and you know, Mason and Bentaleb and Townsend and all those sort of people that we rebuilt the club on, and then we we invested slightly and and became better because we, you know, we, we made smart signings. We got Aldo Weirold and, you know, Rose and Walker became the best fullbacks in the country. Um, 
Harry Kane arguably the best striker in the world. You know, Ericsson who'd been bought under shit circumstances had, had gone up. Deli Ali for five minute five million had had become you know world class overnight. It, it, everything had had sort of worked. You know, Moussa Dembele who you'd famously wanted to kick out of the club numerous times and tear up his contract. <laughs> Genuinely and miraculously has become a player. I, I don't think there's a Spurs player I've I've missed as much as him, not just in terms of what he brings to our wow. team and fuck me, do we, we could we do with a prime Moussa Dembele? But just he, his old aura and personality and everything, there's... It took us a long time to understand what he was, but he was it was everything. That's not even to the point where, you know, Danny Rose when he had his infamous Instagram live or whatever the other night and where he was saying that he didn't want to play again and, you know, why aren't we caring more about dead people, which, you know, he, he may have said it in a, in a very straightforward Yorkshire sense, but there's no wrong with what he said in my opinion. Huh. He even took time out to go, look, you can ask me how good Moussa Dembele was, but I can't fucking put it into words. He was just the best. Um, and there's just it's mad, isn't it? How many how many actual like players say that of Dembele? N- not a single one of them pick anybody else. If they're all given a choice, it's mad, isn't it? Because he he was great, but I don't I don't look at him in terms of like the pantheon of Spurs player, maybe I should, but I don't, I, I'm just but you know, even, being honest. You know I don't what? look at him as in that pantheon of Modric, Bale, Kane. I think King, we probably should you know? because you, I think this is one thing that I, the only thing that I ever look back on them saying with any sort of, um, you know, belief that they had an insight and uh, a knowledge that was anyway worthwhile. But Les Ferdinand, when he was there at the same time as Tim Sherwood came out and said, Oh, this lad should be playing for, Barcelona and Real Madrid is that good like like the way we're trying to motivate him which is obviously why they were so shit at what they were doing was like oh if you pull your socks up we can sell you to like one of the biggest clubs in the world look how good you are (laughs) but that's how good he he is like even if them fucking idiots can see it like it took us long enough to play him in the right position and understand what he brought and Pochettino to actually unlock that and it was years too late and, (laughs) and sort of his body had started to abandon him which is, you know, yeah. the way it goes when you play for Spurs. But uh, it's sort of, yeah, there's all sorts of things that just kind of, the fact that he wasn't there for a Champions League final, he'd gone to China before, and I think that, that regret, had we just let him... Oh, God, did you did you see his Instagram post before yeah, the Champions yeah, League he final was obviously, as well? I think he was good, because he, he would have loved that experience oh, with the boys. Yeah, come on, man. What is he said something like nobody deserves this more than yeah, you yeah. guys. So I'm I feel a bit fucking choked up, mate, just talking about it mm. to be honest. But we had such a good you know such a good car and I think they all built into it and there was a family atmosphere there and I think that's kind of Yeah. It's kind of lost we are now at a point where where we are just a football team and um it's gonna need somebody to sort of build that back in, I think. I think some of the younger lads. Ironically, we we feel a bit post Ferguson Man United now. You know that's kind yeah. of where I see as as at now. A sort of it's an imperfect you know, like parallel, a, a, but I understand what you see. Well, yeah, a, a mismatch of sort of good players, like really good players, um, but there's no real clear identity to to them, which seems strange because a lot of them are still kind of the tail end of the Pochettino era. I think but, that's just a, a, yeah, a sign of how poorly we invested and, and 
the lack of forethought. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the most disappointing thing. As, as a club, the one thing, especially Levy, to give him his credit, he always had forethought. And that's one thing that he, he was brilliant at was roadmapping the club for future success and safeguarding that success. You know, even to the even the contract situations we've got ourselves in now isn't isn't Tottenham. In when we were doing the best on the field, we were doing the best off the field. We were re-signing these players to five-year deals every year, eighteen months, safeguarding their value and and their sort of their commitment to the club. And the, you know those famous meme pictures of, of Pochettino in the same post sat next to him. It was there for a reason. Mm. We were incentivizing their success to stay at the club. And we just kind of run out of that for the fact that we've got Watongan in his last year, Ericsson was in his last year, all that sort of shit. But, you know, Alderweireld was almost gone for a free. And we had that sh- stupid clause in his contract that meant we could have lost him for pennies last summer. And Christ only knows why nobody triggered that. Um, it was just, you know, it's just kind of... A, a, the signings that we should have been making and picking up, like the cheap ones, even the the five million Ali signings that we didn't do. We've obviously we've bought Sessignon and and um, and, and stuff like that. And we and there is an element of that that's trying to come through La Celso and all, and everything, but it's not enough of it. We we just didn't do enough of that, and that's what's caught up with us. We just yeah, I do think Sessignon's going to be class. I, I've, I've I kind of. I like the fact he's kind of not really smashed it at first. It's it's almost a bit Bale esque. Yeah. You know how Bale sort of came in and was all right, and people are a bit like, "Man, you know, he seems like an all right young player." And then suddenly, after two three years at the club, I think yeah, about that time, yeah. wasn't it? He exploded, and I, I kind of hold quiet hope that Sessignon will be similar to that. Um, Lucelso looks unbelievable. Yeah. And Dombele, Christ knows. Um, if he I, stopped you know, eating I, I like, like he was this. on Rule the Roost, then we'd be all right. <laughs> I, 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 and I like that, you know, we're seeing a sort of a few green shoots of like, you know, Tanganga. Yeah. We've got that other lad, like, who sounds like a Dickens character. He's called like Fagan Walcott or something <laughs> like that, isn't he? Who's, who's like coming through. It's, it's you know, Oliver Skip, I'm not as sure on but uh you know what Oliver yeah, Skip's one of those almost Dembele like players where everyone whoever's played with Could him be, and stuff yeah. who they all say amazing things did you ever read that quote about um when he played in that under 20s or under 21s game against the Dutch the Dutch were complaining no. that apparently the Dutch lads all the young Dutch lads came in and went oh that skip in the middle is a fucking pain in the ass he plays like Frankie de Jong we can't get the ball off him he's ran the entire game <laughs> and I mean that's you know, he's not Frankie de Jong by any strength of the imagination, but the fact that they were... Looks a bit like saying him. That, yeah. But the fact that they were even saying that is kind of, um, you know, encouraging. And I think, he, you know, it's just about nurturing the talent because they're only going to be as yeah. good as we, we allow them to be. Yeah, and I th- it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because I think as well, like most of the time when we're seeing Skip... He's getting chucked into a midfield without any sort of like real physical presence alongside him or anything like that. So he's, he's, you know, and it's it's just it's a it's a victim of circumstance, and it's also kind of what happens with young players, right? They get chucked in as and when they get an opportunity to, and it's it's seldom going to be perfect unless they're a particularly special talent. Um, 
mean, that's not to say he's not, but in a in a position like he occupies, it is going to be a case of like get out there and let's see what you can do, kind of you know. It's it's that sort of old Harry Redknapp adage, isn't it? Just get out there and fucking run around a bit, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I think I think he does. I think he does fine. It's it's just hard to know quite how good he is from what we've seen at a first team level. But you know, I I, I, I still think there's enough there's enough green shoots at Spurs to suggest that you know it's not going to be a case of us returning back to being a a, a, a no mark. I don't team think we're fully derailed. I, I, no, no, I, I don't either. And I, I think they might finish above, like if whatever happens with Project Restart, I think Arsenal probably annoyingly will finish above us this season, perhaps. Although in saying that, when we go back to it, we're going to have a potentially fully fit team again. So <laughs> we might have a nice I mean, end to the I, season. And sort of. ultimately, I still think Arsenal are not as good as us. I still don't think they are. I still don't think there's enough there in their team. I still think... As much as people are talking about Arteta being their Pochettino or whatever, I don't think the infrastructure at the club will allow for that to happen. Mm. From everything I hear, their whole boardroom, their backroom processes are chaos. You know, there's no sense that people are pulling in the same direction. They're there, a cash cow for Cronky's American it, aspirations. That's all. They're, yeah. they're, a, they're a profit-making process for the things that he's, he actually cares about in America, which is... To be honest, in a, in a even if even though they are who they are, it's, it's, it's a sad thing that that's what they've become. I mean, I, I don't really care, but no, no, it, it's sad that a club like that has become that. Um, yeah, to, you know, to rivalry aside, class gesture, yeah. clapping hands emojis from a like, Spurs fan, you know. Yeah, you 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 can imagine looking at it. From you know, we having to grow up in an era when Arsenal were, for all intents and purposes, a, a pretty much a team built off of the back of Wenger. You know, they were an all right team and they were very good, but they weren't doped in the way that Chelsea were or anything like no. that. And they they built a, one of the best sides in Premier League history and English footballing history. And to see them now become just like you say this weird thing just like a, a wank sock do you know what I mean like that's just it's sort of what they are yeah. just a wank sock on the fucking floor of the Premier League bedroom mm-hmm. you know it's just what are they um, that that feels like a good place to to bring this pot to an end mate I don't know about you I've got you, a few but... questions for you if you don't mind me driving for a little while oh go, go on then N- not go on, just babe. questions for you but kind of just talking points um, yeah, just yeah. things I've picked up in conversation that I fancied discussing with you because well, to be honest Jack I don't know the next time we're going to do this so we may as well talk about it now um, yeah, the future of the club do you think do you think we're going to get to a point where I'm kind of thinking about you know Newcastle being bought by um, Khashoggi's killers and stuff like that um, yeah <laughs> just to take it back and remind people that my high horse is still firmly beside me yeah. um we'll get taylor and bestie yeah, on, give them the see how they the, think the, um i bet yeah, they'll be fucking beside the themselves Man city lad treatment yeah um rob pollard that's the one that's the name <laughs> um you know when enid come to sell what do you think they're gonna sell and where do you think you, you we're going to end up because the way the club's shaping up, sort of the Amazon documentary, the NFL stuff, all that sort of unsavory nonsense. 
I almost think we're destined to be an American-owned club at some point. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's the Big way time. we're being moulded. And, you know, maybe it'll be the world's first trillionaire, Jeff Bezos, that buys us and we're fucking Amazon United or whatever. But... Um, well, that's... I mean, that's the one it looks like, right? It 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 kind of sounds like there's a lot of to and fro between the club and Amazon. And, you know, I, I can't imagine they're... They're on the phone to literally on the phone to Jeff Bezos. So, like, you know, these companies are structured in such a way that there's so many levels before you reach the top of the mountain, right? But I can imagine on one level, in that maybe the the sport washing department, mm. they see Spurs as a as a very viable option because it's going to take somebody massive. The club now is is worth a lot of money, yeah. but you know, I, th- I think the the thing we've always I don't think anybody's ever really lost sight of, but perhaps has become less pointed as the years have rolled on because they've been there for so long. But I still think maybe ultimately we need to remember that Enoch is an investment investment (laughs) company. They're an investment company. They're a sports investment company. Mm. And, you know, they they bought us. I think they owned Rangers as well once upon a time. And maybe somebody like, yeah, Grasshopper Zurich and a few of these other clubs. And there was one, those wasn't it one of the Prague clubs because didn't we have to wave um, wave conflict when we played them in the UEFA Cup or something like that? Yeah, there was there was something the UEFA were trying to you know saying that like one of the clubs would have to give the other a buy or there was something like that, wasn't there? There was I, I can't, remember, but this is like maybe even pre Yol era, wasn't it? But uh, I think it was the Yol era when we first got into UEFA Cup. Maybe. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I do think Spurs will be sold. I think that's the I think that's the, the end reason goal. why we built the stadium. Mm. I really, um, I don't think that you know the appetite was there to build a stadium because we necessarily thought that we had a a, a, a fan base that would facilitate the filling of a sixty thousand seat stadium week in week out. Um, and I'm, uh, you know, I think I think this is one of the ways in which Enoch probably shoot themselves in a the foot sometimes is that they, I think they adopt and have adopted with the stadium this kind of build it and they will come type mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I think they're in for a kind of rude awakening these next few years if uh, if things on the pitch do take a bit of a downturn that the sport is still very important. You know, you you can have your flashy kind of promos. You can have a nice big stadium. You can have a kind of figurehead in a player like Harry Kane, but ultimately the sport is important. And I, I can imagine just you pick up from kind of the breadcrumbs that you've heard out of the sort of various interviews with yeah. Pochettino and such that this is the point he was very much slamming his head into a wall about with kind of Daniel Levy and such as much as he respected him and as much as he kind of was on board and understanding uh, football is a business now and mm-hmm. it's not just about what happens on the pitch. I do sometimes feel that the the biggest criticism I can make of Levy is that I do think all too often, perhaps, he doesn't allow himself to acknowledge how big a part the romanticism of sport itself does play a part in this. There's the fact that he and, almost uh, he almost seemed shocked as well when so many people called him out on the furlough stuff as well. He, he still yeah. There's still sometimes that weird disconnect from him that I thought he would have for a man as clearly as intelligent as he is. There just seems to yeah, be yeah. that 
disconnect from him sometimes, and I never, never fully. I think it's a lack of emotional intelligence, right? Perhaps I don't know. Um, I mean, not to yeah get to psychoanalyze a man who I literally have seen a few photographs of and read some scathing articles of, but you know, it's you know, um, you know, with the the Bezos thing, I think you know, although to our knowledge, he's never killed anybody. um, He's obviously. The the figurehead of rampant cap- capitalism, if there ever was one. Um, but the worst thing he's ever probably done is get a divorce, cheat on his wife. I'm not sure, but um, it's still one of those <laughs> things where it's it's it will be weird to be owned in that way. And I'm I'm really not looking forward if, if it does happen because it is just conjecture at the minute. The, the inevitable headlines about Spurs failing to deliver um, is you know shite but um well the the the, the funny thing is uh, i was thinking about this the other day with uh with our champions league run so like bt sport they put on um the other night on sunday night they put out uh, like four of our greatest european nights in the champions league and it was inter at home mm-hmm. ac away ajax and real madrid at wembley right. as well and I, you know, I I know people listening to this who support whoever Dog and Duck FC will say, "Oh, listen to a Spurs fan making out like they you know did this the right way." But in the context of that level, that tier of football, we absolutely did, and I, I won't have that taken away from us by any kind of mental gymnastics or anything. You know, if you, if you can honestly look at Tottenham in context with Real Madrid in context with Manchester City, Chelsea, even the even the Italian clubs, to be honest, yeah. who did this all over the 90s. What we have achieved in the short time we've been in the Champions League is nothing short of remarkable. Um, and I can say that, like, and it, it, it fills me with, like, a swelling sense of pride that even though we didn't win the Champions League, I can see us having done that because I kind of feel that from this point onward, with the new stadium, with a new owner, be it Bezos or whatever other faceless, weird investment or insurance or oil-backed company comes in and takes us over. Just as long as they're not, you know, got an awful human right record or something, then... yeah, I mean, but I mean, yeah, I hate to even even under those sort of instances. I'm not going to pretend that like if Spurs went on, you know, if in ten years' time this happens, we get taken over and we just become a financially dope club and we win the Champions League, you'll obviously have a big piss up and you'll enjoy it. And you know, touch wood, we'll both have kids at that time that we can share that sort of memory with and it'll be it'll be about that it'll be about the day out and it'll be about Mm. enjoying it but I I can I can quite comfortably say I think even now that it will as we've always said and I will maintain that it won't have felt the same as if we did it under Pochettino and I, I think that's what that's what adds the rule I think because I sort of I wrote a, a a little thing just after it when I was trying to sort of get my get my head around it all. It's sort of with the the ushering in of this new Spurs, 
to me, it almost just feels that like at some point or another, success is inevitable now. Like at at some point, I feel yeah. that Spurs are probably in the next twenty, fifteen, ten, whatever years, probably going to win the Champions League. Not Champions League, sorry, the Premier League at least. Yeah, and that will be more down to the fact that we have built a big stadium and bought loads of big players, mm-hmm. as opposed to seeing these projects, see the kind of like us working through the kind of motions of Yol, of Redknapp, of then Pochettino out the end of it, of seeing these three, you know, whatever we want to say about Redknapp, it was a great, it was a, you know, a great forward leap for the club as well. And he did do a lot for us in many respects. And I think those, those three in particular are like signposts of, the general progression at Spurs and really Pochettino's era should have been the one that was yeah. where it finally bared fruit and it didn't. And now we're just going to see it happen in that instance of, well, you did it in the way that Man City did it and you did it in the way that Chelsea did it. And it's just like... Uh, people often use know? books... I think, I think that's where I rest yeah. on it. I think people often use books as a metaphor for passing the time and they talk about the end of a chapter or the end of a you know page or something like that. And I think that whole, even from back to like Hoddle to Santini, maybe it starts with Santini, I'm not sure, but if if that's where this story starts, I think it ends with Pochettino. I don't think that's the end of a chapter. I think that's the closing of a book. And I think whatever happens post-Pochettino its own narrative and its own story i don't i don't think that's connected to what came before it anymore i think that is the last the, do you know the, the last thread of it for me honestly rests on the shoulders of harry kane yeah that is like that is that's the last thread of it like the last dying embers of like if he doesn't get a move because of injuries or whatever or his price is too expensive and we see that kind of like a jaded 29, 30 year old Harry Kane think, fuck it, let's go for it. And manages to win as like a premier league. That one last time, that will be that last little kind of like, you know, the, the, the kind of rose through the concrete Mm -hmm. kind of thing, you know, but even then it'll, to me, that almost feels like a, it almost feels bigger than him. Like that would be the same protagonist in a, in a yeah. different story. But it, and I get what you're saying. What you there mean. is a that is the one one thread that remains really because the majority of it will have gone soon enough. Um, of course, but it, it, it's. I think he's going to go soon enough, though. To be honest, mate. Annoyingly, but we'll see. Uh, it's, it won't be this summer because nobody's got the money for him. Um, but I was going to say earlier, actually, I think weirdly in the most perverse sense possible i don't want to try and draw positives out of what's happening on a, a word no stage. no I, I, again i think we all know the context so, but, yeah. uh this is going to do wonders for his ankle the fact that he doesn't have to play for england this summer and he's had time to actually recover and not rush himself back for something for once he can actually yeah. sit play with his kids try and play golf and do whatever else go to sheesh every night of the week <laughs> and actually rest good lad with that late and orient thing i, I actually yeah, you know, really I, nice. at the start of this whole covid thing i was i was a bit annoyed of him as well like considering you know england captain not the whole not the fact he would dare to say he might want to leave spurs if they don't match his 
ambition, as it were. But to me, it sort of, it just, it rankled with me a bit that, you know, seeing Jordan Henderson or Troy Deeney or whoever else sort of seemingly trying to rally people behind a, a, a cause for good. The only thing I'd heard out of Harry Kane was him saying that he might want to leave Spurs if he don't match his ambition. Mm-hmm. There was a bit of me thinking like, come on, lad. Um, but it, it, but it, it, you know what? Actually, watching the Jordan documentary is quite funny when uh, yeah, he was sort of called out for being uh, an Uncle Tom or what have Republicans you. Republicans um, buy sneakers too. Not... Uh, yeah, yeah. and But how his whole point was like, you know, why are you coming to a to a basketball player for like for your politics yeah. kind of thing? And I think when when you watch, it does feel like a bit of a an easy get out of jail free card. But I just think part of the mentality of these, of you know, if you if from watching the last dance, seeing how Jordan was wired, and sort of what we see of Kane, and I'm, I'm not drawing an equivalency between. Purely only in their kind of mentality. I don't think Kane has the same natural ability or top end ability that someone like Jordan had in his respective field. Mm-hmm. But that sort of that that mentality that had that drive to win. You can't really imagine they really focus on much else other than getting a ball in a net. No, than like normal people do, and I I think it's always like I I try and step away from that like feeling of disappointment with sports stars sometimes you know not in these completely like horrendous cases of like you know Danny Simpson having to be literally pulled off of his girlfriend as he's throttling her you know on the floor by the police and that's not libelous that's that's fact um at least I believe so um and you know you can feel disappointment in that or if you know John Terry's indiscretions in many a different yeah. field. Um, but, you know, when it's when it's kind of like, why hasn't a player had an opinion on Brexit or something? It's like, probably because he knows that whatever he says is going to get attacked. And also, he probably concedes that he doesn't know enough about it and also really doesn't give that much of a it's shit not his job. because it doesn't affect him. Yeah, exactly. And, you know... But I'm sort of I'm talking to myself here in the in the respect that it was nice anyway, at least to see Harry Kane doing that. Yeah, you know, sponsor. If you if you don't know, if anyone's lived in a cave, he's personally sponsoring Leighton Orient's shirts and giving them up for three different charities. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and I mean, again, if people say it's a cynical PR thing, who gives a fuck? Every single footballer on the you know in the Premier League could be doing a similar cynical PR thing, yeah. but they're not, you know, so... Well, it's the fact that it's whatever. a small club that will be struggling in this time and they're not going to be missing out on sponsorship money and they're actually going to be doing some good with what's on the front of the shirt and all that business. is It's just a nice thing. You can be cynical about it as much as you want, but sometimes nice things are just nice things and you can try and pick holes yeah. in whatever you want to pick holes in, but... Um, you've got to kind of try and take some things at face value sometimes, otherwise you're never going to enjoy or, or appreciate anything. Agreed, mate. Um, I was going to say, just to, to finally touch on that new ownership thread that I was um, tugging at, um, in that interview Pochettino did say he wanted to come back to the club at some point, and I can see 
that being the first act of a new ownership for their own good press. If the stars align. For their own good press, it, yeah. It wouldn't... Bringing him back yeah. because he would have the funds. It would be a clean break from what he was at before. Similar to how um, Levy hired Hoddle because he knew that everyone would love the fact that a club legend had come back. Um <laughs> Not similar, but I'm going to say it anyway because it makes me laugh. Similar to how Mike Ashley rehired Kevin Keegan at Newcastle. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean, though? It's kind of that sort of um, yeah. giving the fans what they want, making them feel like you understand sort yeah. of thing. Um, I can see that. I think there's definitely the pieces are there. Yeah, I think the pieces are there, but the, the stars would, would have to align. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we don't know where we'll be. We don't know where he'll be. Um, but it's it's nice to... It's nice to feel like it could happen maybe one day and he could come back and draw a line under it, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, it would be nice. All right, well, uh, should we call it there? No, I think that's it. I think I should probably actually do some work now, mate. Have you well, watched so. any telly or anything? Last dance, really. Is that it? Yeah. Um, if you have, I watch Normal People as oh, is well. Is that the one about people you've seen that. Yeah, lo- loads of shagging and yeah, it's yeah, it's it's you know, it's it's easy to watch. Mm. Well, it's it's not easy to watch in some respects. It's actually uh, yeah, it's it's quite depressing in many ways. But uh, it's you know, it's kind of BBC Three twenty minute episodes. It's yeah, it's it's definitely captivating. It's following a, a relationship down the years, so it's it'll be trust me, it'll be up your street. Yeah, I, mean. I, love, I love a deke. There's so many things that, I, like I said, there's so many things I've missed out on that I haven't watched just because I had other more important things to be getting on with that I no longer have to be getting on with. So I haven't the, been catching up. The first, the first two series of Ozark were all right, yeah. but the third series that's just come out now is pretty brilliant. It's like it's really quite yeah, good. But these are sort of things I would have watched at the time, you know, previously, mm. even that. And like, I've not seen a second of Better Call Saul, and people are going on about how that's now oh, comparable mate, in quality to Breaking Bad. And I've just, I've, I've still not got around to even, you know, scratching the surface with stuff like this. Mm. I literally am now the, trying the, the, to finish things that I previously hadn't finished. The funny thing with Better Call Saul is that you know how at first the kind of showrunners were completely like, look, it's set in all time before Breaking Bad, but it's it's not a Breaking Bad prequel as such. Yeah. It's just kind of backstory. They'll run into it now like fully. They f- oh, mate, they've fully given that up. <laughs> it, it, it is, make no mistake, it is a Breaking Bad prequel now. Okay. Like, complete. The last, the last couple of, so I think we're on season five now. Yeah. And I would say that there was there's been a complete tonal shift in the past two seasons that has seen it like fully become a Breaking Bad pre prequel Sick. preview whatever you want to call it yeah um, it's yeah uh, it, it's it's mad it's mad some of the some of the stories that they fleshed out um, from throwaway lines in Breaking Bad is absolutely brilliant you know there's 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 all these like mind blown type snips that have been shared from breaking bad where somebody said something in a kind of throwaway fashion yeah. but you're watching like a full on kind of narrative fleshed out around it in better call soul now which is that sounds good yeah it's yeah it's decent mate. I, I i'm not going to go into it too much but definitely 
yeah, pick up the reins on that again. I will. That, I will that's try and, I I'll try and find some time. It doesn't look like we're getting out of this anytime soon, so who knows? We might even make a fucking second podcast. Well, we might do. Yeah, let's maybe Winter Champions League final, do you? We could... Uh, why don't we do a watch <laughs> June 1st a watch along for 20 seconds it was less yeah. than 20 seconds when I still want a fucking on ball oh, mate, it wasn't it fucking I, I, another day another day mate another day yeah this VAR thing is probably um, another contributing factor to why we now hate football yeah fair fair um, I'm, I'm not going to do all the sign off of you know followers and all that shit because you don't need to anymore we Just, don't care Enjoy it yeah. if you did. Yeah, if you don't, fuck off. Yeah, see you later. Hopefully, enjoy your lives. Stay safe. That's what everyone says now, isn't it? That's sounds it. like a weird Stay sexual health kind of note to end it on. But wash your hands. Like in one of those cartoons you'd watch in secondary school, when like Captain Condom would come in. Like, yeah, I mean, like a Johnny in a cape sort of thing. I've never. You've never described yourself better. <laughs> Captain Gundam. Just remember to inject yourselves with Dettol and um, try and make sure the sun goes inside you um, and we'll get through this together. I love you back. Fuck Donald Trump. Fuck Donald Trump. Fuck Donald Trump. Fuck Donald Trump. I like white folks, but I don't like you. All the niggas in the hood wanna fight you. Surprise El Chapo ain't tried to snipe you. Surprise the nation of Islam ain't tried to find you. Heavy rally out in LA, we gon' fuck it up. All Mother Rodney King riot, we don't give a fuck. I'm about to turn Black Panther. Don't let Donald Trump win that nigga cancer. He's too rich, he ain't got answers. He can't make decisions for this country. He gone crash us. No, we can't be a slave form. He got me appreciating Obama way more. Subscribe and I love you back. You know that guy ain't shit. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.